everyone. Today's guest on Fashion for All, the Smart Glamour podcast, is Susie Dahl. Susie falls under the model category of types of guests we'll be chatting with on the podcast. I'll let her introduce herself properly. We touch on Susie's start in the pinup and modeling industries, racism, classism, and phobia in the beauty industry, and her advice for folks who want to join any of these spaces. I do want to note that the audio quality changes about two minutes into our chat, so hold on for that and enjoy our conversation. Hi there. Hey, hey. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited to join you virtually in this brand new <laughs> world we live in now. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, can you introduce yourself, please? Sure. So my name is Susie Dahl. I am a makeup artist, pinup model, newbie burlesque performer, and cosplayer based here in New York City. Wonderful. Um, so you already kind of answered one of my questions is that you introduced yourself as a model. And sometimes, um, when I'm interviewing smart glamour models for this podcast, I ask them, do you consider, consider yourself a model? Why or why not? So, so why do you consider yourself to be a model? It's funny because in a way I still don't consider myself a model. I think it's so mental for me. Um, I've been, I kind of was wonderfully pushed into the world of pinup modeling uh, by a photographer I work with at the body positive uh, pinup photography studio called Shameless Photography. Mm. Sophie is the head photographer. And in 2013, I was, I just started working with them doing makeup and uh, working with, you know, under her and kind of learning the ins and outs of working at a small photography studio and, you know, kind of getting into, it was an internship at the time. Oh. And Sophie, you know, one day she was like, I can't wait to get you in front of my camera. And I was like, oh, pshaw, like, you know, jokes, ha ha ha. Like, no, you know, I'm not a model. I'm a behind the scenes girl. Um, and mm -hmm. I feel that, you know, when I was younger, I always had like kind of like an itch to be in front of the camera. I kind of have a big personality. I'm very like bolsterous and bubbly and, you know, I just love to ham it up. But when you are a plus size girl, people kind of, you know, put you in this box of, you know, oh, you know, you don't deserve to have these, you know, feel pretty. Like as harsh as that sounds, that's how I felt growing up. So kind of speaking to her and she's like, oh, you know, your eyes and this, that and the other and, you know, all these, you know, nice things. I'm like, I it's, it was still hard to believe that I had the capacity to even be, you know, presented in such a manner. So it took a lot of coaxing from her to finally get me to, you know, be in front of the camera and have my own pinup shoot. But after that day, it definitely, I, as cliche as it sounds, I was addicted. I think I loved feeling beautiful and not in a, you know, just as a kind of superficial way. I was like, oh, I feel good. Like, I, it's okay for me to feel this way. It's not something that's exclusive to people who look a certain way. So it's definitely been a journey of, you know, giving, allowing myself 
to say, no, I can, I can tack model on, onto my little, uh, basket of things that, you know, I am. So, yeah. <laughs> hmm And before working with them, were you already interested in, like, pinup culture and pinup fashion and all of that? Or did that come from working with them? I did have a long-standing interest in pinup culture. And I was like, oh, you know, I see, you know, mainstream pinup models that, you know, mostly Caucasian, and I'm like, oh, you know, this is so beautiful, and I love the look of it, and I've always had a, I've always been drawn to pinup style, but I never took the plunge until I started working at Shameless. Like, that was the Mm. push to give me permission to say it's for me as well. For sure, and and actually, I forgot, I I usually ask this towards the beginning of, of my interviews with, um, people who fall under the model category but obviously i know what you look like but for folks who are listening to this and don't know what you look like could you describe your appearance sure i am a petite plus size african-american uh little lady Uh, (laughs) and usually people can hear me coming before they see me because i have a very distinctive laugh which everybody tells me about (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I think, I oh think, wow! I think that's I think that's all the descriptors. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, I think that, I think that's accurate. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. Um. Yeah, it's always interesting to me. So, oh man, this is so long ago now. Way, 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 way before pre Smart Glamour. Um, and actually, even a little bit before some of the modeling I did, I did some pinup stuff. Um. Yeah. There's a actually I'm, I haven't looked recently to see how active they still are, but back in the early 2000s, there was a photography club that was run through Meetup.com called um, yes. New York Pinup Photography. Yes, the New York Pinup Club. New York Pinup <laughs> Club. Yes, yes. So I used to model for them back in oh, like cool. 2000. I think I started maybe 2007. Okay. Um. Yeah, with with a friend of mine. She she modeled for them once. Um, and then she was like, Oh, you need to come do this with me. And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> um, and I've always uh y- you know, in my fashion design section of life, um, enjoyed different eras of clothing and different styles. Even with smart glamour, sometimes there is like a little bit of like a fifties-ish uh vibe to some of the silhouettes that I make. Um I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like full fledged no pinup or anything like that, but I, I it can easily go there if you were to style it that way. Um, and I definitely, you know, I'm aware of and have always been aware of the, you know, how how much mainstream um, beauty standards cross over into the pinup world. Sometimes, you know, it's lots of like thin white ladies. Um, which, you know, is what I am, and especially 13 years ago, I was even smaller than I am now. So, um, it's a lot of tall, thin white ladies. So I, I definitely appreciate whenever a pinup or even just like a retro scene, vintage scene, um, does the work to be a little bit more inclusive. Um, especially because 
you know, we're, you're dressing up or you're hearkening back to the past where, you know, not that we're in the most wonderful place right now <laughs> as far of uh, as far as like rights and inclusion. But right. um, but the 50s, not great. <laughs> no, like that's the unfortunate part of it. While the aesthetic is beautiful, a lot of the underlying of actually what was going on, of course, is not quite so wonderful. Uh, segregation was still very real. Um, I remember the story about Dorothy Dandridge, you know, having to go through the back hallways to this beautiful hotel that she was performing at. And then she wanted to get into the pool and they didn't let her get into the pool. So being the boss that she was, she stuck her toe in the pool and, you know, kind of like a, you know, a middle finger to them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how dare you? So tons of stories, but, you know, I love the aesthetic, but unfortunately, traditionally, there's not a, still not a whole lot of history about people of color within that world at the time, you know, being so mm-hmm. glamorous. We have certain icons, of course, with Dorothy, Eartha Kitt, uh, mm-hmm. Diane Carroll, you know, that's kind of you know, the main ones you sort of think of. Also, Joyce Bryant, who was mm-hmm. like the Black Marilyn Monroe at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's nice that kind of modern pinup culture, there is a segment of uh, Black, you know, and people of color that are active within the scene. And it kind of really serves as a great network. So we're like, it's not like, oh, we're the only ones who enjoy this and we kind of feel alone in this very, something that can be a little bit on the whitewashed side. But mm-hmm. they're, they're more of us. We're like a little uh, black pinup army. And then, you know, there's also, you know, so many other communities of color that are kind of evolving and, you know, growing within the pinup scene as well. Mm-hmm. And so what's what's a little so you explained a little bit you started working with the the photography studio in 2013. So then what's the timeline of, you know, starting to model with them and then starting to maybe model for other folks and then also starting burlesque like like how did that all come along? Yeah. So uh, 2013 did my first pinup shoot and I was, you know, because following the scene I was familiar with some magazines that were uh, pinup based that always were looking for submissions. So when I got brave enough, I started, you know, doing my little submissions just to see if, you know, they would get in and, you know, people like magazines would start accepting them, which was really cool. So I would do another big photo shoot. Um, I didn't really start modeling for say like any brands. I would say, I feel like it's still more recent, maybe within the mm-hmm. last three years or so um Mm. my first kind of big thing was with um one particular pinup company that's very popular and i want to say oh that was about 2018 i did a shoot with a big uh pinup clothing company which was really awesome and again just kind of getting out of my comfort zone and i feel like even though I'm getting a little bit more experience with modeling and kind of, you know, like, okay, like I can do this and people getting a little bit more familiar with my face. There's still always those little hangups in the back of your mind. Like, you know, Oh, like, you know, do I, is like my chin too chunky? Like, you know, Oh, if I smile like this, it's going to look dumb. So it's, that's a constant pushing of myself to kind of say it's okay because 
not everybody's supposed to look alike. And that's to mm. make things unique. And mm-hmm. it's it's definitely tricky, but it's something I have to remind myself because I have, you know, people in my DMs, like other people who are interested in the genre. It's like, you know, oh, how did you get involved with this? And what do I do? And how do I, you know, build my confidence? Like, it's so odd. People are like, speak to me as like, oh, you're so confident. How can I be as confident? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I don't know if I'm the greatest person to ask, but I just, I think at a point just decided like, all right, I'm a constant work in progress, but mm. that's not something I should punish myself for. Like, right. And it's definitely one of the hardest lessons I've had to teach myself in this kind of moving into, you know, modeling, so to speak. But that was a total tangent. Let me finish answering your question. (laughs) (laughs) It was a a good tangent, though. (laughs) Okay, good. So (laughs) I did that um, major clothing line, which was really cool. And then so I was like, let me sort of kind of see what else is out there. Um, I one of my favorite uh, companies to work with is Charm Patterns, which is run by this amazing, amazing, amazing woman, Gretchen Hirsch. She has a line of sewing books and the patterns, and she's really trying to bring the you know the joy of sewing to everybody. She's been doing a lot of. Uh, um, YouTube streams during quarantine, which has been really cool. So I was fortunate enough to get that opportunity through Sophie at Shameless because mm. Gretchen actually uh, uses Shameless for all of her promotional shoots. So she was in the market for a plus size model to show off some of her patterns to show that it is fairly size inclusive. Mm. And Sophie was like, hey, I just recommended you for this. Do you mind? I was like, oh, no, I don't mind at all. Like, that's pretty cool. So me, I never, like, get my hopes up too much for anything because, you know, just life. I'm like, maybe I'm a optimistic realist. So I'm like, mm. this is great. Let me see what just happens. So literally the next day, Gertie hit me up and she was like, Sophie recommended you for this. I actually think you would be awesome for it. Because it's funny. Um. I had met Gertie maybe that previous year when I uh, was at a Rockabilly Weekender and I actually won the pinup pageant that weekend, which was really cool. So oh, wow. that was like super exciting. It was the first year they had that particular pageant and I won and I was the brownest thing on stage. So that was <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty awesome. But uh, so, you know, we had met casually. I like was like, I like your outfit. So we kind of built that rapport that way and um, I actually did her makeup for one of the shameless shoots. So it was really cool to be able to work with her on this project of her expanding her pattern range mm-hmm. and sizing. Mm-hmm. And it was really weird because it was the, the first times where someone else was doing my hair and makeup because usually mm. like I come like hair and makeup ready because sometimes... It goes a little left when you're uh, ethnic and other people are dealing with your hair. So I'm usually like, I've got it covered. Don't worry. Uh (laughs) But so, you know, her hair and makeup artist, Melissa, is incredible. So I was in great hands. 
And it was, I was like, wow, like, you know, this, it's always strange being on the other side of the chair because Mm -hmm. I think, especially as a makeup artist and, you know, being plus size and being, you know, a darker skinned woman of color, it's usually like, I'm, sometimes it feels like I'm the help. And I've been in situations in the fashion, like, you know, in the fashion world and you know so I was coming up and developing my skills in fact I remember very distinctively and this was one instance that left the worst taste in my mouth I was actually assisting a makeup artist um I was actually recommended to that makeup artist from the main artist I was assisting mm-hmm. and you know I get there and you know I still hadn't at the time, like, gotten fully into, like, you know, oh, it's okay for me to, you know, be extra and, you know, dress nice. So I'm, like, still, like, kind of hiding, you know, basic jeans, t-shirt, mm-hmm. very plain. So I'm, like, oh, you know, this isn't for me. Like, I'm, you know, behind the scenes. Don't look at me. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, walking into this, you know, high fashion shoot, you know, working with, you know, of course, all these, you know, thin, beautiful people. Well, conventionally beautiful people because everybody's beautiful right right so walking in there and you know the makeup artist she's like oh you're susan i'm like i yes it's me (laughs) question mark um Uh so i was like you know right ready to work like i'm here like i have my little portfolio like i'm building my skills and you know i'm working with another reputable makeup artist who made the recommendation so she kind of was just like, oh, just, you know, you just got stand over there. And I'm like, okie dokie. So I'm like, oh, ready. Yeah, I was like, but uh, I was like, sure. Because this was, I want to say this was like 2010, 2011 at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm like super ready. I'm like, okay, you know, whatever you need. Like, I will wash a single brush. Like, what do you need? Like, I'm here to help and just garner as much experience as I can. Mm-hmm. So she's basically ignoring me the whole time. And I was like, okay, let me, like, you know, let me get a glass of water and maybe a cheese stick, like, at the crafty table real quick. But that apparently was the wrong thing for me to do. Like, how dare I quench my thirst and, you know, not pass out from not eating anything. So Mm -hmm. she reported back to the artist I usually work with, she's like, all she did was eat all day and she just was, you know, just useless. And I'm like, wow. Wow. Like, it's like, I'm literally sitting here like waiting, like eager to like learn and you treat me like garbage and talk crap. So that was one of the roughest moments for me as far as dealing with, you know, working in, you know, beauty and fashion, you know, on the mainstream side. But it was something that also I was like, I'm going to take this and keep pushing forward because she did, I knew that she didn't even bother to even, you know, ask me what my interests were or, you know, how I could be of assistance to her. Mm-hmm. So it's like, she was like, she doesn't know me. Like, and that's on her. Right. It just kept me pushing and trying to move forward because I was like, I have these goals. It's not going to be easy, especially beauty has become so saturated because thanks to thanks to the Internet, the world's a little smaller. So it's Mm -hmm. a little bit 
tougher, but I'm happy that I was able to get a lot of the experience I have gotten before the real kind of social media boom happened, thankfully. Right, right. But um, it was definitely, I think experiences like that really, they shape you. Mm-hmm. It's like, and it gives you a little bit more like fuel to the fire. So I don't know where that woman is now, but, you know, all I know is that I'm happy <laughs> being myself and I know what my talent level is, regardless of what she assumed it was just at first glance at me. Man, I will never, truly never understand um, people who just treat other folks in that way i mean oh man like i feel like it's almost sometimes easier to wrap my mind around like systemic discrimination than it is to wrap my mind around like one-on-one human beings being cruel (laughs) you know microaggressions are a different beast and it Mm -hmm. is interesting so it's like again like i don't you know I don't know if I could attest it to race. I don't know if I could attest it to size. I don't know if I could attest it to just, you know, she didn't think I, my clothes fit the part of being this high, you know, high fashion makeup artist. But either way, I checked off a few boxes that day, but mm-hmm. it was okay. Because I feel like if I was made of lesser stuff, that experience would have kept me from continuing to push on with my career in makeup. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a little bit of a uh, little bit of fat phobia, a little bit of racism, a little bit of classism all rolled into one. All the above. Unfortunately, but um, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, now, yeah, now, now it is. That day, I, I probably, yeah, I think I probably went home and uh, shed a couple tears. But again, these are things that mm. fuel you as a person. Mm. So I want to circle back to something that you mentioned earlier where um, you said that sometimes folks will ask you, you know, like, oh, how do I how do I become confident like you? And you're like, I don't know if I'm the person who to ask that to. Um, and I, that comes up that brings up a few things to me. I think that sometimes folks will ask other people, you know wait, how are you so confident? And like a little bit of that can be like slightly backhanded without the intention to be, you know, because it's like you see someone who may not fit like a mainstream beauty standard. And so you're like, wait, what? But how could you possibly be confident? Which is just like, I mean, why wouldn't I be confident? Like, what are you, you know, what are you implying here? But also at the same time, um, I think that also a lot of people kind of expect confidence to be like some kind of like light switch that you flip and then like you that's it you're just confident from this day forward right and i wish it was that easy (laughs) right i mean it's just not this is not what happens you know i mean everybody has days where they feel better about themselves and days where they feel worse about themselves but it's you know it's more about the practice of um of uh reaffirming yourself and and kind of like self motivating you know it truly is it's you know confidence is again it's not a button you can press it is Mm -hmm. literally almost like you're undoing years of not trusting in your instincts and not feeling like you know oh like I don't look like this person so 
I don't deserve to wear this type of garment. And it's basically a lot of unlearning past unhealthy behaviors that keep you from being your best self. I feel like that's mm-hmm. the best way I can think about it. Um, again, I think that taking pictures of myself from, you know, not just selfies, because of course, like selfies, like, okay, I know what angles I like, so I'm going to only take pictures from this way. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm super guilty of that. And I'm usually like, you know, I'll take the picture, guys. Like, I'll mm. angle it this way. But getting in front of someone else's camera, it allowed me to see myself through literally someone else's lens and Mm -hmm. it's like wow like I didn't think that I could look like that or feel like that so it definitely is a cool kind of snowball effect in that way and it's not about being conceited or thinking you know you're better than somebody it's just like wow like okay like you 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 put your shoulders back a little more you stand a little taller and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you just kind of walk through the world reminding yourself that you are worthy. Like you are worth some, you know, the time of, you know, even most importantly, you're worth worthy for yourself. Like mm-hmm. regardless of what everybody else thinks, because again, Dita Von Tease has the best quote ever. Like you could be the juiciest, sweetest peach, but then there'll be someone who doesn't like peaches. So you just kind of, kind of, you know, walk a little, you know, just for yourself. Like, it's okay Mm -hmm. to have that little piece of joy for yourself. And, you know, because as crazy as this world is, you need something to anchor yourself. And that's okay. Yeah. Yes. And I think, you know, so often when I'm talking to um, women and femmes and non-binary folks, you know, they'll start talking about confidence and they'll do a little thing that, that you just did there, too, where you're like, you know, not not being cocky, not thinking you're better than other people. And I always just wonder, because, yes, I agree that is what it is. Um, but I'm always just like, are men existing in this world, like, correcting themselves so nobody thinks that they're cocky and oh, only thinks that they're confident? <laughs> like, no. Like, I, you know, I just, we just have so much work as a society to unlearn the idea that women are not allowed to take up space love themselves and like if they do that that doesn't mean that you're cocky like it's not cocky to love yourself and to take up the space that you rightfully take up it's (laughs) that's just like what it should be (laughs) right this should be commonplace but again like you said unfortunately women and femmes are not taught to think that way it's you Mm -hmm. know unfortunately our society is very patriarchal and you know, there's still the stereotype that it's okay for men to be aggressive, but if, you know, a woman does it, it's an issue, she's bossy, this, that, and the other. So mm-hmm. I am uh, so thankful for uh, you, Mallory, because you've been at the forefront of helping break down those type of stereotypes with smart glamour and just your ideals behind it. So I'm so happy to be a part of the Smart Glamour family to be able to say, yeah, I agree. I don't have to apologize for being sassy. Like, I can, you know, (laughs) state my opinion and you're just going to have to deal with it. We can have a combo about it, but this is my stance and I don't have to apologize. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like for me, that has been something I've long struggled with, being okay with taking up space. Um, Mm -hmm. 
again, like being someone who's like, I'm behind the scenes, you know, it's not about me. I just have to make sure everybody else feels and looks good. And it's like, but wait, I can do the same for myself in the process. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a problem. Like it's okay. Yes. You know, like I, I don't have to keep pushing myself to the back burner. And I, you know, I deserve just as much, you know, care and compassion and space as the next person. Yes, 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 thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when did you, I know that you mentioned it hasn't been that long, but so when did you start doing burlesque? I actually made my official debut in February before everything imploded. <laughs> oh boy. So I got to perform twice, which I was excited about. Um, I started at the New York School of Burlesque last summer um, mm -hmm. after, again, something I was really curious about. And I've always been a, fa like a fan of burlesque, just loving that type of, again, body positivity, Plus glitter and sequins, I feel like is a beautiful recipe. But <laughs> I think, but I was still like, oh, this is this isn't for me. I'm just going to be a spectator. Like this, this isn't for me. But I feel like when I first saw um, Dita Von Teese's, I think that was the Strip Strip Hooray tour, mm -hmm. which featured Pearl Noir, who is one of the top African American burlesque performers. And Dirty Martini, who is mm. pretty much the top plus size burlesque performer in one show, I was like, wait a minute. Like, oh, this is, oh, like just very like happily surprised. I was like, okay, like this is pretty cool. But I was still like, but they're dancers, like not me. I'm still going to watch. But yay, this is nice to see that there is this type of variety that exists in this genre. So every year would go by, I was like, maybe I'll try it doing a class. Maybe this will be the year I give it a go. And I think last year I was finally like, screw it, I'm doing it. <laughs> so I finally yeah. was like let me just tip my toe in because I feel like with me like if I at least like give myself the opportunity to try I'm like okay like it's less scary so I feel like so many things that well, for all people we have those moments where there might be like a goal or just something new you want to try but you keep talking yourself out of doing it and just giving yourself reasons like why you shouldn't I feel like the moment you at least give yourself that nudge and permission that's when you open yourself up to so many awesome possibilities mm. I love that you just said that um man that really does feel like a theme that that is running through a lot of these podcasts of just like oh <laughs> Giving your giving yourself permission to try something that you that you've wanted to either try or be a part of, but you feel like you shouldn't or you weren't allowed or you didn't see someone like you represented there. Like, I mean, so many different folks I've talked to about so many different things. And I feel like that kind of that thought kind of comes up, um, which is just so important, you know. First of all, that seeing rep that that representation really matters. You know, yeah. seeing somebody that you feel like gives you permission to try something, 
you know, like um, I'm I'm familiar with both of those burlesque performers. So I'm yes. so and, and they're both wonderful. And I'm so glad that you saw them both. And then you were able to like make that connection of like, oh, like I if they're if they're doing it, I can do it. And I love so much the like ripple effect of that. You know what I mean? Because at some point, maybe somebody's going to then watch you do burlesque and think like, oh, well, if she can do it, I can do it. Um, Which would be so and I wild. They'll be like, ah. yes like so full circle um but i you know that's something that i feel like happens in so many different industries um you just you need to you sometimes when you are somebody of any kind of marginalized identity you need to see someone else who you can relate to in some way and then you can think like oh that is also for me Um, exactly so I feel like we talked a lot about, you know, modeling stuff and burlesque stuff, and we touched on makeup artist stuff, but do, being a makeup artist is is really like your your more main thing that you do, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And did you, when did you first start doing that? Did you go to school for, for makeup artists? Or are you more self-taught or how did that trajectory work? I'm more self-taught. I actually went to college for journalism and public relations. But it's not oh. something I had my heart fully set on um, ever since I was younger. Again, like just being a super ham and love to like perform and just be silly. I, you know, and I also did have a love of the beauty industry early on. I wanted to go to cosmetology school, but I was more pushed toward a traditional academic setup, if you will. So mm. I was like, all right, well. I guess I'll just kind of pack these little beauty dreams away and, you know, write. Cause I did love, I do, I did enjoy writing. Um, so mm-hmm. I feel like I was like, okay, I can, you know, write for a beauty magazine or something of that nature. Um, and maybe a year and a half out of college, I was working at a nonprofit um, that was based for women, but something called, kept calling me to try, give beauty a try. So it's like I don't I was like I don't feel great here. Mm. Like this so I was like I was like this doesn't it's not clicking for me. So I was like, well, I'm going to take this leap from this nice cute uh yearly salary position and go work at a makeup counter and figure it out from there. So that oh. was yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> That was in 2009. Mm. So it was definitely, it was hard, but I feel like it was something I wanted. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I want to make this work. Mm -hmm. I want to be brave enough to say I tried something. And if I fail a couple times trying to make it happen, it's okay. Yeah. And give myself that permission to do so. But uh, yes. And, you know, I had friends who were like, you know, oh, maybe you should go back to school and, you know, get a different degree. And I'm like, I don't want to. That's not what is moving me. And I feel like at like that time, like the, you know, early 2010s, you know, it wasn't the we didn't have that rise of social media and be able to really carve your own path at the time. So mm-hmm. everybody, we were still kind of stuck in, you know, more traditional schooling uh, examples. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it was, you know, crazy. Cause again, I had, you know, one of my friends from college didn't really get what I was trying to move toward. And I guess for some people it felt like, 
a pipe dream, especially I'm like, I'm learning on my own and I'm trying to figure it out. Like, Hey, can I paint your face? Like, please, I just need to see something <laughs> real quick <laughs> and just really, you know, pounding the pavement, seeing who I can, you know, work under. I'm like, can I assist you? Can I just observe you? And just pounding away at that. And finally at about, I want to say two, uh, 2014 is when I started assisting makeup artists in the TV world. So that mm. was really when I started like, okay, like I can see like there's even more options aside from just print and editorial. And I definitely have found my love for working in TV. Like it's mm. been such a fun experience. Uh, back in October, I worked on a show that's now on Disney Plus, and that was incredible. It's hosted by um, Yvette Nicole Brown. And oh wow! It's it's so it's just been really fun. I was like, okay, like this is the thing I really truly like. Like I like hanging out with the uh, crew members, and you know, just a different experience in the pace of it. So. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been a journey. It's been a scary journey. It's been an uncertain journey, but I would not change it. I definitely wouldn't. Would I hope it would be a little less rough along the way? Sure, but mm-hmm. I'm definitely happy of where it's moved to. And I'm looking forward to productions getting back to some type of semblance of something after all this mm-hmm. corona stuff. So... That'd be great, but it's been fun. And I've found my thing within the industry. So I'm very happy about that. That's great. And I wanted to kind of circle back again a little bit to you brought up um how you're you you know, that one particular friend didn't really understand like why you would want to go try this thing that seems hard and and is a little bit like not quote unquote what we think of a traditional type of career or or path. Um, and that's so interesting because kind of, <laughs> I mean, honestly, kind of the opposite is something that my husband and I talk about a lot because neither of us have, you know, traditional jobs. We don't have salaried jobs. Um, we're both just, you know, chasing what we love to do. And when you chase what you love to do, you know, it's a little bit of a hustle to, you know, make it work. And I don't mean hustle as in like, this like glorified idea of like, oh, I'm I'm a boss, I'm an entrepreneur without even really knowing what you're <laughs> what you're trying to do. Right. I mean, just like you gotta figure out what you need to do to get things done, to move yourself forward, to keep working, and also, you know, pay your bills, pay your rent, <laughs> feed yourself. Right. right. Um, and we often talk about like not understanding living your life the other way, you know, not understanding like uh just working in an office and having a salary and taking those steps that most people take. Um, I mean, I'm so, and we then say, you know, like, Oh, I'm so glad that there are people that do those things because, you know, all jobs exist in this world for their specific purpose. So like you need to have all different types of people who are willing to do those types of jobs. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, so one of our last questions here that I usually ask folks is what you'd like to see change for the better in the various industries that you are a part of. So maybe what would you like to see change? And I'm sure there's lots of things, but but what are what are like one or two things you'd like to see change both in the like makeup beauty space and then also maybe in the like 
pinup modeling space. I feel like with all that has happened in 2020, that's such a poignant and very timely question. Um, mm. I'll start with like the beauty and fashion industry. Um, mm-hmm. Just allowing Black creatives to have a more visible presence. Like, we're here. Like, we're here helping to mold and push what trends are out there. And, you know, just just adding a different type of vibrance. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel that, you know, a lot of, I'll, I'll go with cosmetic companies first. I know there was a call for various cosmetic companies to t- like put out how many people on their executive staff were of color. And that was mm. kind of telling. So it's like, add us in more. It's like, especially where some like our community is one of the biggest consumers of beauty products, fashion, yes. like all of these things, like we're pushing and putting money into it, but we're not getting quite as much out of it as far as being visible in these type of positions. Um, mm-hmm. Also, same can go for in the production world. Um, usually I'm one of, I feel like I mentioned when we did the round table, I think I mentioned I'm usually one of the only faces that looks like me on set Mm -hmm. so it's like you know we're out here like we have the same same credentials as you know some of our other counterparts and we're equally as talented and it's not just about it shouldn't be in the idea that you're hit trying to hit a quota of how many of Mm -hmm. us you can put on it's like because we still add value as well so making sure you know productions are as diverse as possible you know executive boards are as diverse as possible um in terms of uh and that not even just color wise even like size shape religion everything because Mm -hmm. so many people of different walks of life it's like everybody has so many different talents and you know while at the same time, there's fortunately, while there are tons of opportunities available, there's still some things that are hard to put your you know foot in the door. But mm-hmm. just more opportunity. Opportunity to say, hey, this is what I have to offer. Here's where I can add value. So on and so forth. Um, in the realm of modeling and pinup, it's kind of interesting because I feel that there's so many body positive outlets. So I mm-hmm. feel like, okay, like even though there are still those few people who are saying like, oh, you know, why are these fat people doing this and this, that, and the other? There are more people who are like, yes, like this is incredible. Like these body types are beautiful. So thankfully the negative voices as far as body positivity are lowering while people who are praising the movement are, you know, getting louder and louder, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. I also feel that there's also still one certain type of quote-unquote plus-size body that we see a lot of. Mm -hmm. I am only 5'3". I have a short torso. I have a little bit of belly. I don't look like Ashley Graham, (laughs) 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 who is gorgeous, but it's like, I I don't see myself there. So... Mm -hmm. I feel that we just need more representation of all the different sorts of plus size bodies that are out there. 
because again, clothes fit different body types differently. And it's like, okay, you're on this lame Riot website. Like, this is cute, but is this going to work for me? So just more inclusion there. It's, mm-hmm. it's You can only be what's so inclusive when you only offer one type of body. So we just need more. There's lots of us out there. So yes, yeah, that's my biggest, my biggest, my biggest issue. Yeah. And you know, that, that height thing um, is so specifically that is, is so odd. Like yes. <laughs> when you think about, and, and I mean, it's it all really just, just ties back to like fat phobia, right. Which then ties back to racism, but like, you know, just the just, right, but like just the the fact that like the average American woman and femme is five four, right. So like, why, why, why is why are all the models five nine, five ten? And I mean, this is coming from you know, I'm five eight and a half, almost five nine. So like, I mean, but I know that I am very tall. Like I for like, right. <laughs> like I will you know get into an elevator or like stand you know in in a group of a of like or on the subway you know and all of a sudden i'm like man i am tall i can see the top of all these people's heads so it's like what what are we doing why are we doing this like i just it's truly mind-boggling to me and it's oh man so i i mean anyway that's just like it's <laughs> funny that it wave just like why <laughs> it's funny because usually when i'm doing makeup on people and the models are super tall and i'm like reaching up to put like mm. blush and powder on and at this point i'm used to it so it doesn't bother me they're like oh do you need me to scoot down not like condescending they're just like oh man she's reaching up high like maybe i, I was like Oh, I'm so used to it. Like, it doesn't even bother me at this point. Like, I've just adapted. But it's mm-hmm, always so mm-hmm. funny. And then I'll see behind the scenes pictures. And it's literally me, like, reaching up <laughs> to put makeup on this tall <laughs> model who, like, is already tall without heels. And then you put the heels on. And I'm just, like, reaching up. But I'm like, oh, this is totally fine. They're like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, a sh- I'm, a, I'm a little bit. I've had to adapt. <laughs> And it's it is fine. It is. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> if it gets really bad, I get on an apple box. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so in closing, before I ask um, where folks can follow you, yeah. what is maybe something that you would say to someone who is interested in the beauty industry, but like doesn't really know where to start? I would say I'm such a nerd. So I'm like, you know, Take it old school and just do a little research. Grab a book. If there is a makeup artist that you love their work, just kind of see, you know, kind of get an idea of what their style is and just kind of practice it. Not so Mm -hmm. much to copy exactly what they're doing, but to kind of get a feel about how you can interpret their style in your own personal way. Mm. Like I, especially when I was learning in high school, I was taking out uh, Francois Nars's makeup books and Kevin Aquan. So I was like, I, one, I just loved looking at the art of it. And I'm like, oh, okay, this can actually be used as a research tool just to get an idea of composition and where to put certain items and just kind of practice a little bit that way. So I would say, you know, even, or also, you know, thanks to social media, everyone's pretty accessible for the most part so 
I would say if there's a makeup artist you enjoy or a hairstylist you love, give them a message or send them an email and be like, hey, you know, are you looking for someone to assist you? Uh, just mm. to see if you can kind of get that hands-on experience. And usually they like free labor. So <laughs> <laughs> usually they'll take you up on it. And then sometimes that will turn into paid assisting jobs, which is really cool as well. But yeah, don't be afraid to reach out. And I would say that even for, you know, pinup stuff, or if you have a question about, you know, how do you get into it? I would say don't be afraid to reach out. I feel like most people are pretty chill. I know I am. I'm like, hey, you know, if anybody ever has any questions, you know, I don't, I don't hesitate to, you know, answer if I have any insight or if not, I'll be like, hey, I don't know about this. Let me mm-hmm. pass you off. But I feel like mm-hmm. don't be, never be afraid to ask. I think that's really good advice. And and so speaking of that, where can people follow you on the internet? Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Brown Paper Dolly. B R W N P A P E r d o l l i and i'm also on i'm kind of sort of on facebook um Susie doll you can find my page there but i'm most active on instagram i am a consummate millennial and i love it so much uh so <laughs> ig is ig is my jam <laughs> i had a twitter same name don't really use it so find me on instagram you can also shoot me an email if that's more your jam as well. Uh, XO at gmail.com. I will hyperlink those things in the show notes. Yay. Thank you so much, Susie. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Mallory. This has been awesome. <laughs> hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of fashion for all please be sure to check our show notes for information and links to our guests and their work be sure to subscribe or follow us on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a rating or review on apple podcasts to help others find the show for more smart glamour goodness you can head to smartglamour.com and follow us on facebook at backslash smart glamour and instagram at smart underscore glamour thanks